All right. It's a wheelhouse podcast. It's a new look wheelhouse podcast. Tis the reason for the season. We're surrounded by tinsel and Christmas lights, and Kate Bates is here as well. And uh, I believe your your skills extend into the the audio visual realm, and you've created a beautiful looking Christmas graphic in the bunker here. Yes, it's very high tech, Joel. What I've done um, is I've put a Santa hat on our logo. Very technical. <laughs> I wouldn't know how to do that. I'm very impressed. Well, uh, look. Far and above that, you can't uh, see if you're watching because I'm sitting at a desk. Um, but for our viewers and listeners, I'm actually wearing Christmas bauble pants. <laughs> it's like I'm really in the season. I'm not talking about my underwear, Joel. Like pants, like yeah. full-length pants. They're very cool. Very, very committed. They are very to cool. The in fact, pause. when I left the house this morning, the lady across the road shouted over the road. Fantastic Christmas pants. Oh, good one. I said, Merry Christmas, and we went on our way. It's only Christmas when, when you get like a nice pants comment, and it's okay. <laughs> it's like, thank you so much. It's Christmas. Yes. Any other time of year, it's like, stop looking at my pants. Yes, that exactly. That's creepy. Yeah. Well, this is not creepy. It's no. a wheelhouse podcast. There's a lot to get through today, and I'm very happy that we're doing it in a festive environment and surrounded by festive goodness. We've got tinsels, um, Merxie's. Even got the Christmas lights out for us. I love that. He's feeling very festive. Yeah, Father Christmas uh, himself. Ho, ho, ho. Um, look, look, so <laughs> much, so much to get through. The tour down under, the, the road is narrowing. It's getting closer and there's some big news. There's some very big news. I'm really interested to talk about team names in cycling. And there's been some a, a, a bit of a bombshell uh in that space, I, I, we'll get into it a bit later, but I'm I'm fascinated by how frequently these team names changes happen. But the one I want to talk about is a, a, a little bit of a controversial one, and there's a whole lot that ties into it around funding, around you know making partnerships to try and keep teams alive. We and love a bit of, thing, of controversy. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting one. I, I'm looking forward to talking about that. There's also some news. On the Tour de France, some big, big riders making commitments in different Grand Tours next year. I'm, gee, I, I don't even know, Kate. I'm about to trip over with excitement. There's so much to get through. I'm not even standing up. No, I'm you're to sitting. Trip over. If you manage to trip, then you're, you're doing well. Yeah, yeah. Let's 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 get into it right away. So, Green Edge Cycling, we're looking towards the Tour Down Under. You've revealed you're going to mm. be there. Green Edge is going to be there as well. I want to start with the women's lineup. So, some some. Big, I guess, uh, big years have been rewarded. I think it's safe to say when you look at the likes of Alex Manley, especially, mm -hmm. that name really stands out to me because we've spoken about her a lot on this podcast. She's had a big year mm -hmm. and uh, it, it yeah. continues. It, look, I, I feel as though the uh, Tour Down Under organisers, SA Tourism, have been like teasing us. Um, we've had a gutful of teasing, thanks to Cav. Uh, but no, very, very exciting. The women, we're starting to hear the confirmation of the women's teams. So far, we just had a big week of announcements on the Aussie front. So Green Edge Cycling is going to turn up this year with an all-Aussie lineup. That's really exciting. Yeah. Because it is the team that Aussies like can really get their teeth stuck into uh, and support. It is led by Alex Manley. I reckon she's a sneaky for the overall They've won okay. five times as a team overall. Last year, uh, they won the Festival of Cycling with Ruby Roseman Gannon. She is back. Uh, she's also got Georgia Baker in there as another sprinter. So they've got a bit of a two-pronged attack on the sprint front. Plus Alex Manley on the overall. You've got the likes of Jessica Allen backing them up. Like, massive. They're, they're going to be really, really hard to uh, beat. But then we've got this incredible Aussie national team. It's a bit of a quirk that at the Tour Down Under we're allowed to have a national team in a world tour event. We'll talk about that um, a little bit later in relation to the men, but that is being led by the Aussie champion, Nicole Frayne. Yes. So that is fantastic, but she won't be in the national champions Jersey because, well, unless she wins again in Ballarat, but uh, I understand she might not even be starting to defend her title, but she'll be there. Uh, and also we've got Rachel Nayland who's been on the podium yeah. Uh, at the World Championships in the road race behind Mariana Voss, no less. She's one of our most experienced athletes uh, on the road. She's just incredible. She's an incredible mentor for the younger athletes that are on the team. But she's also an incredible chance, especially for stages uh, in this kind of tour. So the strength of Aussie rider representing um, at a world tour level 
the first one of the season at the Tour Down Under. It's really, it, it's just really exciting. And I love that we do get a national team and we will get to see them in the green and gold. Gives uh, the fans a lot to stick their teeth in. Yeah, absolutely. So it's huge. <laughs> and I love what you say about Rachel Nalen, especially because that experience behind playing that mentor. We, we, you, you named a lot of very exciting riders there. Uh, the likes of Georgia, obviously, having big years as well. But having someone like Rachel mm. as part of that group, not even on the track, but just in between times, it must be huge for the for the rest of the team. It is. And, and I, I think even for fans, it's a bit of a farewell year for Rach. So we understand it, it'll be her final race, uh, yeah. her final year racing professionally. And so Tour Down Under, it'll be the last time she does that. And I think... She's always amassed quite a big fan base because she's such a great character, um, super charismatic and really dynamic racing style. So I really hope that the fans come out and give her a really good farewell as well. You know, she's just one of the riders that really, really deserves it. And women's cycling has been building and building over the last decade. And Rach has been really at the cold face of it um, for that entire decade. So yeah. An honour, I think, um, for the Aussie fans to be able to watch her in her final tour down under. Beautifully said. Uh, beautifully said. To quote uh, Waylon Smithers from The Simpsons, <laughs> uh, now let's bring on the man. So <laughs> let's talk about the tour down under and the Aussie, I guess the male Aussies we're going to see in action because there's some uh, bright and shiny names there to, <laughs> to borrow shiny. a nickname there. Uh, Look, what are you thinking? Uh, Caleb Ewan. Bright and shiny. Is. There's no question is. Caleb Ewan is bright and shiny. Now, he won't be riding. Here's the controversy, Joel. Da, mm. da, da. He won't be riding in his Lotto Destiny kit. He'll be riding in national team kit. Uh, now, the reason this has happened and can happen is because historically, the Tool Down Under, they advocated really hard to the UCI to be the only pro tour race it was back then with a national team entry. Yes. And they did so because the whole race is funded by the South Australian government, by the Tourism Commission, mm -hmm. and they just felt that the Aussies deserved a national team amongst all of that. Now, thankfully, the UCI said yes way back in the day, and they've managed to convince them to make that a legacy item. So even though it's a world tour race, the only world tour race in the world that is allowed to have a national team as a wild card. So that's really, really cool. But what that means uh, is that because a lot of Destiny aren't a, aren't a World Tour team anymore, we've talked about relegations, uh, it means that Caleb can then race uh, in the national team. Okay. So any of the teams that are present, their riders, they can't get an extra rider by popping them in the national team. It's only by way of the of Lotto uh, not turning up. So Jared Drisner's is another Lotto Destiny rider uh, riding for the national team. Now that's exciting. We've seen Caleb win quite prolifically at the Tour Down Under before, yep. uh, and we expect that again. Michael Matthews is back, Joel. That's exciting. He's arguably Australia's best ever uh, one-day racer. Yep. Um, if you look at, and certainly active best active one-day rider at the moment. Um, he, you know, wowed and entertained at the Wollongong World Championships. He's back. Exciting. But. But. Joel. Yes. There's news. Yes. Glutes O'Connor. Oh, stop this. He is Ben O'Connor. No, he's not. He is. Kate Bates, he tell is. me the truth. Ben wow. O'Connor will be at the Tour Down Under. Friend of the wheelhouse. So we're going to have, have eyes on the ground, on yes, the pedals, yes. quite literally. The okay. wheelhouse will be um, at the Tour Down Under. I'm so excited to have uh, Ben Glutes O'Connor come, uh, not just because I think if we don't get a wheelhouse selfie with him, we've failed ourselves, um, but to have he and Jai Hindley, Chris mm. Froome is coming, um, Geraint Thomas is coming, Simon Yates huge. is coming, like huge, huge names, and he belongs um, right up there amongst them. Jay Vine, like the best of the best, bearing in mind that the Tour Down Under hasn't uh, been on in its current form for the last couple of years. Yeah. So this is a big return. And it's a big, big one return. for the, the Aussies to be part of. Uh, Caleb as well, con well missed out on Wollongong. Mm. But I, I'm curious because you've spoken before about the reputation of the course as far as sprinters are concerned. And, and you've said in no uncertain terms, I hate to throw you under the bus here, but that it's shit course for sprinters. Yeah, so this is the national the national championship. So that's about a week before the Tour Down Under kicks off. And it's usually like a bit of an intro to the Aussie form and we usually see the riders lining up um, at Mount Buninyong in Ballarat 
to fine tune their form so that the Tour Down Under isn't their first uh, outing for the season. It's been talked about as a pretty crappy course for sprinters for years. Like Chloe Hosking said, I'm never going back. You know, she's arguably Australia's fastest sprinter uh, on the road. She said, it's a crap course. I'm never going to get, be able to get up Mount Buninyong. So as long as they continue to hold it there, I'm out. I'm done. Mark okay. Renshaw, he's criticised it. It's it's copped a lot of flack as an on-sprinter's course. But if you actually go back and look at the winner's list, Michael Matthews, he got second there in 2013. Caleb Ewan, he got second there in 2015. Yes, yes. I would say it's not a non-sprinter's course. It just really depends how the race is raced. Um, and I think the fact that both of them are lining up there before heading to Tour Down Under, it's like a little bit of an intro, Joel. I reckon they're both pretty motivated to then, you know, get on the board at the a Tour d- a Down Under. A display of intent, you're saying, basically, yes. to, to perform. Well, okay. And there's another level of complexity to touch on here because Lotto Destiny have been relegated out of the World Tour, but they are the number one team for the year in the Pro Tour. And right. what that means is that they automatically get, for this one year, an automatic invite to every World Tour race. Okay. Right? So the Grand Tours and the World Tour races. But Lotto, it's like once bitten, twice shy. They're so concerned about this ongoing relegation battle, Joel, that they're opting out of World Tour races. So they're not coming to the Tour Down Under. That's why Caleb... Uh, is riding with the national team. They won't be riding the Giro, which is a massive one. But they've said the reason for that is because there's opportunities for them to ride smaller races that they can get more points and then hopefully in 2024 also once again be the number one pro tour team to get those automatic wildcard spots essentially to ensure they get a start at the Tour de France. So whatever points Caleb gets at the national championships – uh, plus the Tour Down Under, they do count toward Lotto. Okay. Um, so I reckon we might see across the board more Aussies riding things like the Nationals because every point counts, every UCI point. So That's it's good. A, it's that an makes interesting a lot of one. sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, bummer to not see them at, at the Giro though, but we're that's, you know... Part and parcel. Look, you can't win them all, let's be honest. Win um, some, lose some. Caleb at least Ewan. he's at the Nationals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Aussie fans win. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, it's do it for Australia. It's good to do see uh, Caleb Ewan, a headline act uh, in the uh, the Australian national team, like you say, a bit of green and gold. He'll be, he'll be happy to get back in the threads, to be honest, yeah. after sitting it out, sitting it out, not opting to, but not be featuring. Well, who doesn't want more free kit? <laughs> oh, more on that later uh, yeah. on the Wheelhouse podcast. <laughs> yeah. so I'm glad you dropped that little nugget. Let, let's have a look quickly overseas because it's not just in Australia where some of the big guns are coming. Your fifth cousin, uh, Jonas, I believe, won't be here. Remco, a friend of the mm. Wheelhouse, not here as well. Peter Sagan, not here. And I'm going to drop it early. Mark Cavendish won't be oh. here either. Uh, oh. San Juan. So they're, they're heading over to Argentina mm-hmm. instead. That's a pretty big mm. deal. It is. Well, it's like Argentina, I mean... I think we've seen from the recent pictures after their World Cup victory, they're they're a nation that loves their sport. They don't hate a bit of sport. Only <laughs> four like, million people descended on Buenos oh, Aires to celebrate uh, Lionel Messi and the The most incredible yeah. pictures, right. Mm. Uh, but they do have a race every January, the Tour of um, San Juan. I like to put you like a little bit, a bit of flair on it. Sure. It was last run in 2020 uh, before COVID shut that down for a few years. Remco won back then. It's kind of known as the place a lot of the sprinters go to prepare for the year rather than the long haul trip uh, to Australia and, and for the Tour Down Under and Kedell's um, Great Ocean Road Race. So it has a long-standing tradition, even though it's only a pro tour race, not a world tour race, that sure. you do see some of the big guns go there. And typically Mark Cavendish, Peter Sagan, when he hasn't been at the TDU, has always been there. But it's going to be a bit of a showdown. Like I think it's really – it's a real indication – of who's targeting the classics and the Giro. Yeah, okay. Because when they already have a bit of form in January, you know they're building to that. When in January the big names uh, are kind of pack fodder and they're really not sticking their head out, yep. you know that essentially it's early season training for them. So, okay, all right. Well, yeah, there there we'll is see. some uh, Keep the highlighters handy, Joel. Oh, indeed. There yeah. is some more news uh, around the Aussie side in particular um, – a very big change, controversial change that we touched mm. on earlier at Green Edge. We're going to get into that a little bit later and chat more about 
just team names in general because mm. it's a quirk I want to know a bit more about. Let's uh, before that let's let's stick to a question, Lizzie Dignan. So this okay, returning to racing uh, in May next year after having a second child. I want to ask you first, a like what a weapon, surely what a weapon, it's and incredible. congratulations. Uh, to her on the birth of her second daughter. So she has Orla and Shay now. Um, so her husband, Philip Dugnan, was a very good um, pro racer as well. Uh, and so you can imagine that those uh, two young ladies are probably going to have a fair bit of talent in there, Joel. Yeah. Uh, but yes, she's getting back on the bike. In fact, she's already back on the bike, um, doing a little bit of base endurance training in between tending to a newborn so it's pretty impressive times I'm I want to ask you like mm. how much has have times changed in this regard when it comes to coming back after childbirth that sort of thing being supported by teams being being able to do it and especially for Australian riders mm. that do the most of their work overseas now I know that you uh, you bowed out before having your beautiful children but was was it much of a thing in your riding career yeah good question and I'll start by saying that I, I read a couple of quotes um, from Lizzie after she gave birth and talking about when she may be back racing. Um, and I'll note that she's wanting to come back in May, which is after Women's Paru Bay. So she won the, the first version of that. Um, and she said that the reason that it was a little bit later than anticipated, incredibly fast turnaround, I might add, but um, was that carrying Shay was a lot more difficult um, through her pregnancy than Orla. And it was the first time, the first time I've ever heard a cyclist, an elite cyclist, talk about a pregnancy journey and the effect it has on them. Yeah, okay. Like it was a real moment for me because I thought even a few years ago, you didn't read about this. You know about it from having um, conversations essentially behind closed doors with your women's group or, or whatever about the effects of um you know, pregnancy and how it changes your body. But it, it's really unusual to hear an athlete talk about it. So that was incredible. Yep. Um, there's now more and more women who are opting to have children mid-career. Athletically, they say it's actually brilliant. Uh, you know, the changes in your body can actually be really beneficial to sporting oh, okay. performance. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. There, you know, there's that. But the reason that women haven't been having children in the middle of a sporting career has been entirely because of the logistics of it sure. and the finance of it, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I mean, it takes a bit of tenacity, I think, to uh, have a small human and then be racing professionally. But I think the base reasons is because it lacked the support. Yeah. And back in my day, oh, no way. Like, it just wasn't even an option. And you could debunk it or argue against all of the points. Oh, you could have made it work. Like, it just wasn't. Yeah, women, yeah, yeah. women just didn't do it. Okay. And I think for the Aussies, it's still a little bit bittersweet because – Logistically, I don't know how an Aussie woman would do it. It's still a lot of strain um, too. Like the dedication obviously required to be that elite athlete and, and go, go through those places. Well, there's that. But honestly, it's the logistics of it, Joel. Yeah. Because Lizzie lives in the United Kingdom or they might be uh, back in Girona sometimes. Her husband is retired and he looks after the girls uh, when Lizzie is away racing and yeah. training. Um, they've got two sets of... Parent, like grandparents also, literally it takes a village to raise a child and they have their village there. Yeah. For an Aussie, it's a little bit different. You don't have your village in Europe. You're so far from your village. Yeah. Um, that that I support network that yeah, is so Yeah, I still don't yeah. know that it's a realistic option um, for the Aussie women. But, you know, wait and watch. If watch you can and see. see it, you can be it. Um, <laughs> and she's unreal. I can't wait to have her back racing. Yeah. Uh, and, and you just know that she's motivated to be there. Like half the time when you're having a crappy race or everything's going tits up, you're like, can't wait to get home. For her, she's like, oh my gosh, when I get home, I'm going to have a screaming newborn. So I'm going to enjoy while I'm being <laughs> here, while yeah. I'm being here. So I think that perspective could be helpful. Lizzie Diagnan coming back next May. And, and remarkable to hear how times have changed because even regular people that aren't racing on the on the tour it's 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 tough and having that support network is so crucial so very interesting one thing that's also interesting and is spoken about uh, quite often on the wheelhouse podcast brought to you by our friends at champ sis grow getters australia and of course our very dear friends at listener is the pathways created by the zwift academy and the 
the esports side of things. Now we, we're often focusing on the Aussies, and because why wouldn't you? They're amazing. Uh, the likes of the Vines <laughs> and whatnot. Are. But the the truth is that there are a lot of candidates. There are a mm. lot of athletes getting on the bike and competing to get that pathway through uh, to that that professional pathway. So much so that I've got some numbers here, Kate Bates. So 160,000 entries in the Zwift Academy. 160,000. That's not a typo. That's 160 (laughs) with three zeros after it. Alex Maurice is from Great Britain. Uh, Luca Vergalito from, uh, I I believe, Italy. Now, they have... That they've cracked it, okay. So Alex Maurice for Canyon SRM and Luca for Alperson de Koenig's development team. Wow! So wow. they've distinguished themselves among one hundred and sixty thousand. And let's be honest, that no slouches in that one hundred and sixty thousand. There's a, a, a very very high degree of competition. Yes, and it looked remarkable. It, it's. Been going on for a little while now. We, of course, have had some great Aussies uh, in there. Neve Bradbury on the women's side. Um, you know, Jay Vine, he's our most kind of famous one now, isn't he? Uh, and I think over the years it's been really beneficial for the Australians who haven't necessarily had access to other paths of development. Yep. Um, but it's just incredible the standard that keeps getting uh, pumped out from. Now, the, the rule kind of especially around... Um, I know it from the women's. If you're not in a world tour team, you're eligible. So we are now starting to get some really talented and halfway developed athletes who just haven't been able to be noticed yet in that final uh, little threshold. But yeah, they went uh, uh, to Spain. They had a a camp there where they met all the coaches uh, and their bike skills were analysed. So it wasn't just about pure power. It started as that. But uh, they looked at all the other aspects of their riding and uh, winner, winner, chicken dinner, here's who got chosen. And I, I'd also like to mention we did have an Aussie, um, Danny DeFrancesco, okay. who was in that um, that finals, but she chose not to uh, take that opportunity because she already had um, a contract waiting for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that just shows the level of talent um, that I believe she got offered that contract after it was known that she was a finalist at Swift Academy. So it's having kind of okay. broader reach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You so you just have to be uh, – you've got to be part of the elite scene one way or yeah. another. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> i got to exactly. say, out of 160,000, though, it's remarkable. So, look, congratulations to them. Names to look out for. And once again, I'll name drop the Vines because they are names that are the sort of headline names now uh, through that pathway mm-hmm. as well. And they're not alone on the Wheelhouse podcast. It fascinates me. Catherine Bates, Kate Bates, Katie Bates. Your name changes a little bit, mm. but it's all, it's all pretty much the same. Mm. Depends I'm what Joel. mood I'm in. <laughs> yeah. I'm Joel and that's pretty much it. My name stays the same. couple of choice nicknames. But mm. one thing that gets me is, is, is pro team names in cycling. And look, okay, let me just say this. You know I like my Brisbane Broncos in the NRL, the rugby league here in Australia. If they next year were the Brisbane Donkeys and the year after that were the Brisbane Mules and the year after that were the Brisbane Brumbies, I might struggle to stay interested in them, okay? Hold on. Massive call. That's a big call. It's a Christmas call. My football team at Parramatta Eels. I'm that is I'm, I'm quite sure that's not the first time I've mentioned that. Uh, shout out to yeah, no Parramatta Cycling there. Club as well, Para. <laughs> um, even if they were if they became the um, the Parramatta you know, Tad clownfish poles. or tadpoles, yeah. I would still be loyal to them, Joel. But I would be cranky because it would it just makes it harder to follow. So I would be loyal, but it would be testing my loyalty. Okay, maybe I should have said that because yes, I'm very rusted on as well. That's that, that's a better but way I, to say it. But it raises a good point because yeah. in cycling, some of these teams are nearly impossible to keep track of because you don't even have the the, the one element, like if they became the Parramatta Tadpoles, you'd still got the Parramatta part or the Brisbane Donkeys. Well, well look, when I started, uh, came into the sport, Alperson Phoenix, I was I was enchanted by Alperson Phoenix mm. because of some of the members riding on the Tour de France that year. But now I uh, I need to be enchanted by Alperson de Kunik. Astana Premier Tech is now Astana Kazakhstan team. Uh, Kafidis, I'm going to give a shout out to Kafidis. They've been the same since 2009, represent. That's represent. very, very staunch. <laughs> EF education is the same. Now, 
Let's get to the big one. There's so many others that you could go through. Lotto Destiny is another one. Lotto Sadal, when I came in and, and enjoying well, watching Well, look, them. they've been Lotto Bellasol, Lotto Silence. Silence Lotto, wasn't um, it? Yeah. yeah, Lotto Predictor, I believe. Omega Pharma. Omega Pharma. And yeah. Predictor was actually a pregnancy test. So the fellas were riding around with that. What do you think Destiny is? Spelt uh, in the very classy way of D S. T N Y, few letters missing. What do we think destiny is? Uh, I don't know. Your future. I don't know. What <laughs> Telecommunications. Oh, okay. What else, Joel? I thought it was some sort of like, <laughs> you know, dream it like and make it real. Like card reading service yeah. or something. No. Oh, no, okay. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I, I cut you off. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's all right. Look, let's, let's, let's cut to the chase here. The big one, when I came in, Team Bike Exchange, mm. um, now we have seen Green Edge come out. As well. At the moment, though, they are now Team Jaco Alula. Alula. Now, that's named Alula. after a uh, what's described as a lovely little tourist village uh, in northwestern Saudi Arabia, I believe. Now, mm. yes, it is. A, a boutique heritage and culture destination in northwest Saudi Arabia. So, this is interesting. I'd love to know what you have to say about this because I know that these teams need to make certain decisions in the interest of staying on the bike, mm. quite literally. Where do you stand on this one? So the, 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 the Aussie team is now named for a, vidi- a village in Saudi mm. Arabia. Take it away, Kate. What are your thoughts? Mixed emotions, Joel. Uh, Saudi Arabia has a very checkered history with women's rights and human rights. I don't Mm. think that's a surprise to anyone. Uh, I I can say that if I was one of the female athletes and I had to ride around with a um, sponsor on my chest representing Saudi Arabia, I would not feel too comfortable about it. Uh, They have come a long way, but they still live in an environment where women have um, guardians, which are men, um, it'll be their father, their husband, their uncle, could even be their son, Joel. Mm-hmm. They need permission from them to do anything um, from work, to have surgery, to get a job, to get educated. Uh, and there's still segregation around uh, public transport um, and things like that, that that women are not allowed. And it was only uh, recently, in 2018, I believe, that women were allowed into sports grounds. Wow. Uh, yeah. So... I would feel a bit sketchy about that. It's a really tough one though because you know you know sport washing is a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we've touched on it before here, uh, but based on the social media comments off the back of this announcement, there's a lot of people who are just not feeling right with it. But what's Jerry Ryan to do, right? Jerry Ryan can also sit on his... Um, moral high horse a little bit more and say, no, we're not into that, which I would respect, by the way. It'd be good to come out and say that, but I think. But that yeah. creates another moral dilemma where all of a sudden all of these athletes are now out of a job. Yeah. Um, in the same way that B&B Hotels has you know, ruined a lot of livelihoods, including Chloe Hosking, who's still looking for a team. So it's not an easy puzzle. I'm not saying it's an easy puzzle, but that to me, personally as a rider, I'm not sure I would be prepared to do it. You would consider taking a stand? Look, it's easy for me to say that because I'm not in a position where I have to choose between my career and a moral stand. But I do think that we hit a lot of these uh, things over the years where we might have to make some hard decisions and and we're seeing it more and more um, with the boycott of some products from different places and and taking a stand in the way you can and – you know, I guess the question is, what what do they want back for it? What does Alula want in return for their money? Are they expecting um, the men and the women to go to Saudi Arabia and, and promote it? Are they expecting them to go on social media and say, this is the place you want to go? Mm. Um, I don't it's, know. A, it's, a, it's not like... Because it's a tourism place. It is, and that's what it says in the yeah. statement. It hopes to introduce the stunning landscape of ancient civilizations to millions of cycling and sport fans around the world uh, over the year. The past years, the region has developed to establish a strong connection with the sport, having hosted a variety of events. It's, so, I mean, I wouldn't be comfortable, and some of the foreign teams do it, especially uh, the Belgian teams have done it historically, but I would be quite vocal if an Australian team had a gambling sponsor. Yeah. I would really find that abhorrent. I, I'm not into that. Um, same with tobacco. 
you know, and you, I mean, you can't do that anymore, but even if you could, and actually to a degree, same with alcohol, Mm. Um, you know, and I think that there is a line and you all have your limits, but also there might be a lot of the female athletes that aren't comfortable with it, but really have no other option. I mean, I doubt there's anything in their contract that says if you're not comfortable with the sponsor, you get out of your contract. Like, I don't think that that would be um, means to break it. So they're probably a little bit hamstrung. But, um, you know, I will say that Jerry Ryan is a very good man and he does absolutely everything to support not only uh, this team but other sports in Australia. And so I don't think he would make the decision lightly. um, But I would be really curious as to what that contract looks like. Well, uh, yeah, look, it, keeping Bike Exchange going for, for that 12 years is no no mean feat, obviously. He's obviously committed to the best interests of just keeping mm. the team going, keeping people on the bikes. It's the statement itself speaks a lot about the, the desire to evolve and innovate and keep them going mm. forward, men's and women's teams. You often hear people talking about modern sensitivities and it's like this this isn't these aren't modern sensitivities these are just sensitivities. Jeez, that's this offensive. is just humanity. But, this I mean, is, the flip side of it, Joel, on that, is that we're talking about it and the light is being shined on Saudi Arabia and as they're, if they genuinely want tourists to come and visit, then they will have to, to use the terrible word modernise. Yeah. um, Well, that, yeah, that's the point I was trying to make is that these, these, these values have been in place for thousands and thousands of years and we know that. And we've just seen the Qatar Mm. World Cup as well, one of the more controversial football World Cups in modern memory, a lot of the lot of criticism around that in the aftermath was people didn't take the time to get to know that culture and that kind of thing. And it's like, I don't think that applies in this kind of situation with the, the, mm. the, the issues that you have listed that are very loud and very Some clear. fine lines. Oh, look, and I've had the same thoughts with uh, UAE now having a women's team. Yeah. Um, you know, and so it's not just this, this team and, and this sponsor. And I think because there is so much money coming out of some of these nations – there's a lot of sports, a lot of people that are grappling with it. Will we ever so. see the Alula Wheelhouse podcast? Oh, look, after they listen to this, I highly doubt we'll even uh, be put in a position where we need to make that decision, Joel. It's a fascinating debate, though, <laughs> and like we've seen a lot of high-profile athletes recently taking stands, and a lot of these athletes are in positions where they kind of can because their bank accounts are already quite inflated from the work that mm. they've done and the recognition. A lot of these athletes, so it's a difficult position oh, to put them in. It's a privileged position to be able to hold your morals yeah. on something like this. Absolutely. It is. it is. We've seen it in cricket. We've seen it in mm. netball. This isn't the only sport dabbling in the Middle East. And I'm not here to knock the Middle East. I'm just saying, mm. but Formula One, as I mentioned, football, there was a lot of controversy around Lionel Messi wearing a bisht at the World Cup presentation ceremony. It had to be clarified that no, this is actually a really great honour for him, all of that kind of thing. There's the, a lot of that, I know. Yeah, the golf with Liv. Yeah, You know, 100%. like they've copped it a bit, but at the end of the day, you know, the, the athletes have got to make choices for their family as well. They do. And There's, uh, a, there's yeah. a disconnect culturally, there always is, mm-hmm. between East and West, but there are also things like human rights mm. that are very, very clear and very, I guess, easy to understand and have a stance on. So yes. that's... That's kind of the, anyway, that's the difference well, here. And, it's an interesting one. And I think the funny thing is we started this conversation around how it's really hard to follow teams because they don't have consistent names and we evolved into should they really sponsor the team? Like there is so much in a name. Yeah. So being loyal to a team also inclu- includes being prepared to wear that across your chest. Yes. Um, and wear the jersey. So we could think of that. But look, they've been through a number of iterations. Um, different team names over the years. So uh, let's see. It's And just before we move on, I, I have to point out the fact that if you were a fan of Alperson Phoenix, who are now Alperson DeConic, uh-huh. um, we've got Sudal Quickstep, who used to be DeConic Quickstep. And then we've got Lotto Destiny, who used to be Lotto Sudal. Yeah, I noticed that so, little quirk. Yeah, that's... So actually... There's three teams that the, the owners of Deconic and of Sudal, they're obviously big cycling fans. They just can't really decide which team they want to put their money in. It's so a bit it's of moving a mix around. and match. Yeah, no, I agree. And look, All uh, Belgian teams, team I'll note. Jaco, <laughs> Alula, <laughs> uh, six, this is its sixth name in 12 years of existence. So this deal starts in January, goes through to, the I think, the end of 2025. Mm. Uh, 
look, it's not the first headline like this of the won't year. Won't be the but last. I, I, oh, it be, won't be the last of this year. <laughs> maybe, maybe of this year. You yeah. never know, though. But I'll be, I will be interested to see on what we hear from some of the riders once the dust settles and the, the season starts. And it's like, as you say, it's it's right there across mm. your chest, and you're out there on display in front of the cycling world. What what stances will that bring out? Will we shall find out. Now, Kate Bates, it's never an episode of the Wheelhouse without a mention of uh, your dear mate, Mark Cavendish. So I'm going to get that mention in now with, uh, with I think, bingo. pretty good reason. Mm. Um, all I'll say is Cav to Astana, could it be or is he still playing games with us? <laughs> he mocks us. I'm pretty sure uh, this is the real deal. And there's a couple of giveaways Um I I'll note that as of the moment of recording, um, <laughs> they have not yet informed us directly or via press release or anything of the uh, whether he's going. But he was spotted on a Villiers bike uh, rather than a Specialized that he had from um, Quick Step. So, you know, there are a few little jokes about why would he be riding that bike under any other circumstances, which I think holds fit. Now that's an Astana bike. Uh, he was also spotted um, in and about the training camp with another sprinter Dutchman uh, says bowl. So mm -hmm. it sounds like both of them are going. They do have a little bit of room and money because Miguel Angel Lopez got booted out for a doping in infarction last week. Yep. I'll go conspiracy theory and say that that was a bit convenient to oh, make oh, budget wow. and room. I know. Oh, I'll save that for another day. Huge. Uh, but this is great news for Cav. Their world tour, they get invites um, to everything. It puts him firmly on track. Uh, to go after that stage record at the Tour de France. And I think with Cez Bol, it also turns the team, if they're getting two big sprinters on board, it turns their focus a lot more to then working on their sprinting ability and supporting him. So, yeah, it's not a bad fit. Where there's smoke. When, you, when you're seen yeah. in the, the foyer of the hotel, the team hotel, there's always going to be questions raised. We've literally talked about him going to 40% of World Tour teams. Yeah. And this is actually, like, he's very much running out of time. Including their various iterations, yes. too. It's been like, he could go to this version of the team. This, oh. I think if I had a dollar for every mention of Cav, oh, I don't know, I'd have at least $55, $60. Yes. I, we've, we've said it a bit. But I reckon this is the real deal. I was hoping he'd give us a call. Well, no, I, look, you know. I want to say, look, the time zones don't quite marry up, but I have left my phone on just in case. I said, just give us a call, let us know. We'd love to break the news, if you don't mind. We'd make, love to make it official. Oh, hey. Respect. Sorry, Kat. sorry, Kat, oh. sorry. Is that your phone? Cav. Hey. Oh, sorry, Dal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I'll pick up the ham. I'll get it on the way home. I'm just doing a, Yeah, I'm doing a podcast. Kate says hello. <laughs> just, no, i got to go. I'm waiting for a call from Cav. Thank you. Yeah, no, we think he's going there too. We're just not 100% sure. Okay, yeah, cool. Thanks, darling. Bye. Wasn't him. <laughs> it wasn't him. Uh, That's okay though. I'll leave the oh, phone. Oh, Lee, on just you've in got case. to tell her that she's can't make her number private. Or you're going to think you've got to answer every private call. In Am case I it's right? Cav. Gee, that was that was just Jeez. too much. Come on, Lee. Uh, the Tour de France will be departing <laughs> from Italy in 2024. Kate Bates, mm. uh, some beautiful sights to be seen. Florence Dormini, uh, stage two from. Cesinatico, and now I want to hear a story from you because that's the final resting place. Of Marco Pantani. Now, this isn't. This was not planned. This happened mm. to be here on the set. Uh, a, a, a touching book, the death of Marco Pantani. Now, you mm. have a story to share, I believe. I do. Now, this is the first time the Tour de France will ever depart the Grand Depart from Italy. They've touched into Italy before with stages, but they've never taken off from there. Um, it's a big moment. It's a very big nod. Um, to Italian cycling history and also to the Tour de France. The 1998 winner of the Tour de France uh, was Marco Pantani. He also won the Giro in the same year, Joel. Um, and their destination from stage two, um, Cesenatico, is the final resting place of Marco Pantani. Now, he um, passed in 2004 and very, very sad. The pirate, they called him, uh, he was a troubled, troubled athlete um, with a bit of a downfall, but yep. he was so revered in his day, so revered, Joel. And uh, in 19, oh, 1999, I think, or 2000, let's say 2000, uh, I had the Junior World Championships uh, in Italy in a, on a track called Firenzuola, and it was beautiful, beautiful velodrome, beautiful region. It was the region of the headquarters of Mercatoni Uno, 
which was Pantani's team at the time. Okay. Um, Now, my parents, who used me as an excuse to travel, pretty much, (laughs) uh, they decided to come over. And my mum had, and this is like pre-internet, so... My mum was really good at finding the most random little bed and breakfast kind of accommodations. And she found essentially like a little castle um, for her and dad to stay in. And the gentleman, there was a couple that owned it. The gentleman that owned um, this accommodation was a fellow by the name of Manuelo Ronchi. He happened to be the general manager of Mercatoni Uno, the whole franchise. Okay, wow, yeah. And... When they found out through some very interesting exchanges of broken English and broken Italian, um, <laughs> and my mum tends to just speak English louder and slower. That's her version of Italian. Uh, every now and again, she'll say, "See, si, see." Si. Oh, good. Okay, Terribly yeah. offensive, Jude, yeah. but um, she, she made the effort. Love you, um, Jude. Now, when they found out they were there for cycling, um, Mr. Ronchi brought my father a pink Mercatoni Uno kit um, which was made for Marco Pantani when he was wearing the pink jersey, the leader's jersey, um, the Maglia Rossa at the 1998 um, oh, wow. Giro. And wow. he very proudly handed this to my father, um, who then scarred the Parramatta Cycling um, Club bunch by wearing it. Oh, um, wow. oh, he ditched the Parramatta blue. He did, but he wore it. And, and light pink um, in the bunch is... Well, it's quite a colour, Joel. I'm not just talking about the jersey. I mean the Knicks too. Yeah, um, Robbie gonna, gave it a good crack, my dad. Uh, yes, yeah, so it, it was a beautiful memory because my father was just so taken back yeah. by the kindness um, of this kit uh, and it was just a beautiful trip to them. So for me, whenever I think of Marco Pantani, I also think of my dearly departed father yeah. um, in his horrendous pink kit. <laughs> and uh, so it's quite a nice touching tribute for the tour to start there. Um, it's, it's, in 2024. It's really, really lovely. Like dozens of stages over the years, but uh, the fanfare, the hype, the excitement, the exuberance of a grand apart, it's, it's, it's incredible. And that's a lovely story. I uh, bloody miss my dad too and his pink lycra Joel at Christmas time. What an enduring image that you've got there. <laughs> I, 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 oh, let like, me tell you, I have more, I have better enduring images than my dear father in pink lycra. But. Sure, sure. Marco <laughs> Pantani, uh, as you said, some controversy around his his eventual demise, some doping allegations, that, but a remarkable career. So very, very special. Very, very special uh, to see that happening in Italy. Uh, the Vuelta is also going to be starting in Barcelona, I think, for yes. the first time since the 60s, the Barcelona. early 60s. Barcelona. Yeah. I love Barcelona. Yeah. Uh, they will start there since 1962. Uh, it has been a lovely return to Barcelona um, for the Vuelta. And you'd think, and of course Madrid is the capital of Spain, but a lot of people uh, think that Barcelona is because it's so well known. So it's interesting, isn't it, that their tour has only started there once before in history. Uh, But it's got a little bit of a tale behind it uh, because in 1962, when it did start in Barcelona, um, Jacques Ancatil, and I found this fantastic uh, photo that we've got up here in the studio uh, of he and his teammate, um, Rudy Altig. So Ancatil was going to the Vuelta to make it three Grand Tours, uh, the first rider in history to win all three. Um, he'd won the Giro. He'd already won the Tour. Um, but he got upstaged by his young German teammate. So they were in the same team and Rudy Altig um, took away that uh, 1962 edition of the Vuelta. So it's a bit of a it's a bit of a ding-dong battle in history. A ding-dong it battle. Is. I it's love a great it. one. So I reckon that's a really good omen for what we, what we might see. Okay. It starts with a team's time trial, uh, and then they go up the very famed uh, Montjuic, which yep. is uh, at the back of Barcelona. Of course, one side of Barcelona is the harbour, uh, and then up into the mountains. So it's going to be pretty cool. Pretty special city. I know, but there's so many. Every tour is announcing um, where they're starting and finishing and stages, and it's a little bit hard to keep up with the years, to mm. be honest. Mm. Mm. Uh, but, yes, there, there is... What is sure is that there's some pretty exciting grand tours in the next couple of years. Lots of backdrops, mm-hmm. lots of pushing for locations and all of that kind of thing. Indeed. And even, dare I say, the Alula push as well for yes. the beautiful locations. Come and embrace this new cycling hub. Not that Italy is a new cycling hub by any stretch, <laughs> but it's uh, really no. lovely to see. Uh, Rudy becoming Germany's first ever grand tour winner in that famous mm. ding-dong battle, as ding you spoke dong. of. How cool, how cool. Now... 
I know that you're an investigative journalist. You've mm. got your finger on the pulse. I am. Have you been able to find the Austral winners anywhere? Did you did you track it down? I have. It's I not did. easy. I did. Um, the internet was not my friend. I like to think that I'm good on the Google. Yeah. Uh, Alas, I failed myself. But no, Alex Manley won the women's Austral, Kel O'Brien the men's. It was, of course, the 125th edition, Joel. We talked about it last week. Good on them. Big mm. names too. Yeah. I love it when, you know, it, it shows how much respect these riders have for the uh, races when they're racing all year. Um, they've got Commonwealth Games, Olympics, World Championships. They're flat out and then they still uh, turn up to, to race this kind of event in Australia. I want to say Merry Christmas so, to you and oh, congratulations to the Australs. I've got some jingle bells here. <laughs> no, that jingle is a cowbell. Bells, jingle that, in bells. fact, is a Santos Tour Down Under specific cowbell. Um, but on the Merry Christmas, Joel, I've got a bit of a Chrissy present for oh, you. Oh, this, this wasn't um, planned at all. So I've got a Merry Christmas bag here because I really get into Christmas. Yeah. Um, so it, I noticed, wouldn't have it any yeah. other way. Um, I'm just going to hand this over the desk to you. Grazie. Um, and if you could uh, talk us through what you find in there. Firstly, a lovely calico bag. Good for the planet. All of that. Um, and, Say no to plastic. And thank you very much to... Uh, Ali and Chris at Champ Systems who helped me um, present you with this Chrissy present. Joel. So this is like, and it's not, it's an un, it's a gifting, but it's also kind of like an unboxing, an unveiling. Yes, I get ho ho sense. ho, ho ho ho, indeed. Okay, I'm excited. I know I, what's in there. That's why I'm excited. Are you All really? right, come on, let's do let's this. have a look. So Catherine Bates, uh, Olympian, world champion, has provided a Christmas present in conjunction with our very good friends at Champ Sis and Grow Getters. Oh my goodness! Oh, I need to get get back from the mic because I'm shouting so loudly. It is a wheelhouse podcast. Kate, what's so, going on here? It is it is a jazzy, 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 uh, watermelon and black wheelhouse cycling podcast kit. Does cycling kit. Can you can you tell? Does it fit? It will fit. It is beautiful. Um, I'm also very thankful uh, to Champ Sis for uh, popping the River City Studio. There's a little logo on of the back course. there because this would not happen without them. Um, so how about that? You're going to look pretty jazzy riding around town in that, do you reckon, John? Well, for someone who already looks pretty jazzy, this is going to take me to like the moon of jazziness yeah. and stratospherically. Back. Jazzy. River City Studios, massive, massive shout out to them. Yes. Uh, logo on the back there. I love that we've got like, follow, share. Just do do, do that yes. because that's what makes this possible. One thing I really like is yes. that I'm now the proud owner of socks. Cycling socks, no less. I feel socks, like they're no the right height too because <laughs> yes. I know that there's some some tough regulations around that. These are meticulously oh, yeah. measured. They, they are beautiful. Yes. Yeah, so you've got in there, you've got a, a beautiful jersey that um, we've just unpacked. We've got um, some cycling nicks. Joel, I will show you how to fold those. Um, oh, I, did, did you just notice I was trying to fold them? <laughs> we've talked about that. So they are beautiful black nicks with the logo on the back as well. Um, hang, on, and hang on, just let me check one thing. Okay, oh, that is a sufficient degree of padding. You're just squeezing the chamois there. I thought yeah. you were, it doesn't squeak. If you were thinking, oh that might yeah, speak. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> we've also got a little cycling cap too, Joel. So um, there you go. So you're all kitted out now. I'm very, 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 very grateful to our our friends at Champ Sis for putting this together. The Wheelhouse Podcast has its own kit with a it does. good thick chamois. Yes, I'm going to reiterate <laughs> the, the significance of a good thick absorbent chamois, and that has this very much has that. It's got our yes. colours. It's got it's beautiful. socks. So thank you for um, the team there. And, and uh, Go, I'll put your hat on. Luke, <laughs> uh, Merksy, uh, Luke and I have also got um, ourselves a kit. So um, we will be, watch out for us at the Tour Down Under. Yeah. You see watermelon, that's us. Very hard to miss. Very, <laughs> we will have to put Very some photos up on our socials. And uh, please mm. let us know what you think because I, I, I obviously love it. Um, this is fantastic. Yes, it is. I, I got a genuine surprise. <laughs> I, I didn't realise this was what was in the bag. I thought it was going to be a Star Wars thing. Oh, no, no. Kidding. I mean, normally our gifts to you, Joel, are Star Wars yes. themed. But um, alas, not today. And look, before we go, Joel, on the spirit of Merry Christmas, um, a very big thank you to everybody who supported us to this point because this is our first Christmas as a podcast. Mm -hmm. um, we're half a year in now and it's been pretty incredible 
um, for everybody who's joined us on the journey. And top of that list, I have to thank uh, the crew at River City Studios. So Luke Mears, Gareth Berner and Craig Thomas. Couldn't do it without them. Um, Jeremy Hartschner and Brian Gallagher um, over at Listener as well yep. who support us. This has been an absolute ball this year, but we wouldn't be here um, without that incredible support. And we look forward to lots more fun in the future. Uh, and of course, another shout to Champ Sis because um, Ali and Chris there have been incredible supporting us. We've now got our own kit. This is very exciting. Yes. Um, and we look forward to rolling into 2023. Yeah. Uh, rolling, sprinting. Yeah, sprinting. sprinting. Hello. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, echoed absolutely across the board to the team at River City Studios, Champion Systems, Grow Getters Australia, everyone else that has been part of the ride so far. There's many more great ones to come. And can I, oh, hang on, sorry. Is, is that your phone Kev, again? Kev, it's you. Hey, man, how you going? Yeah, d is it Astana? Can you... Can he really likes the kit. Have we got enough money to pay Kev's salary to have oh. him on our team? No, but we'll get him a kit. We'll get you a kit. Would you... Would that, he, he hung up. Oh. That's okay. He likes the kit, though. Somehow he's seen the kit. Just send him a DM. Slide into his DMs and ask his sizes and we'll sort it out. We're on the radar. <laughs> yeah. We're on the radar. That's the most important oh, and, thing. And while we're at it, Glutes O'Connor, if you want a kit, it's all yours. You heard it here first, Glutes, if you're listening. All, all, you, all, all I want for Christmas <laughs> is Glutes O'Connor to confirm that, yes, indeed, he does yes. want a wheelhouse kit. What do you want for Christmas? Um, I want to see Rachel Nalen and Amanda Spratt in Wheelhouse Kit is what I want. Yeah, love it. Um, no, I, I want a few days, Joel, to ride my bike um, with my family and uh, just to chill out and enjoy. That's what I want for Christmas. Well, I hope you get to do that because you work very, very hard. And it's a pleasure yeah. to be working with you and Mirzy. I'm Merksy. Oh, no, I gave his name again. <laughs> Merksy as well. And the team here, Gareth Craig. I'm going to give them a shout out as well. Absolute wizardry mm. happens in the bunker. and Well, not in the bunker. Don't know what happens in the bunker, but what happens outside the bunker <laughs> is absolute wizardry, and we're very, very grateful for that. Kate Bates, I'm going to oh, oh. It's time to go eat Sorry. pudding. Turn Kev. your phone off. Oh, no, yes. No, I'm no, no, I'm happy with my internet speed. Okay, bye. Wasn't here. All good. Uh, We've got some pudding to go and eat, so... Yeah, Merry Christmas, everyone. Thank you so much for your support. We'll do it again... Uh, before you know it. Before we'll you know doing it. it. Until they pull <laughs> yes. us off the airwaves, I reckon. Yes. Okay. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> oh, i got the socks caught in my hand. Merry oh, Sock Christmas. <laughs> couldn't sock have planned that if you tried. <laughs> the Wheelhouse Podcast is produced for listener by the team at River City Studios. It's sponsored by our friends at Champion System and Grow Getters Australia. It's written and produced by Kate Bates and I tag along as well. My name's Joel Spreadborough. Thanks for coming along for the ride. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year.